Welcome to the Work Life Coach Podcast. I'm Leah May, corporate HR exec turned leadership and life coach. It's time to step away from the Sunday scaries, imposter syndrome, and burnout into self-leadership, emotional intelligence, and intentionality so you can build a fulfilling and authentic work life. Let's go. Hello, my friends, and thank you for tuning in. Today's topic, it's a big one. And I certainly cannot cover the depth of material needed on this topic in just one episode. So know that while we begin here, we'll certainly have plenty more to discuss in upcoming episodes. As we dive in, I want to remind you all that coaching is nuanced. Each person, situation, and circumstance, it's different. So I do not offer one-size-fits-all coaching or advice. And what's right for you may be different from the folks writing into the show. Use this conversation responsibly Use it as a jumping off point for your own curiosity and your own exploration. Got it? All right. So Nick, he, him, is writing from Overworked in New York. Hey, Leah, I've been struggling with something for a while now, and I'm hoping you can offer guidance. I'm in my early 30s. I work in sales. And over the past few years, I've been promoted to more and more senior roles, which, of course, means more responsibility. I'm making decent money, and I feel on track professionally. But it seems like my work has consumed my life. I'm constantly on the go, juggling never-ending meetings and deadlines, and a really demanding workload. I'd like to think about settling down in my personal life in the next few years, but I already have so little time for anything outside of work. I try to socialize on the weekends when I'm not just totally exhausted, but adding anything else to the schedule feels impossible. It would be amazing to have more balance but I'm unsure how to achieve it without compromising my career. Nick, thank you for writing in. It is so clear that you're working to lead an intentional and a well-rounded life, but you're getting caught up in the hustle mode of corporate America. And I can promise you 90% of our listeners just shook their head in agreement. We all know what you're talking about. And this is really how it's designed in the corporate world. It's designed to take as much as it can. There's no one monitoring you to say, hey, Nick, maybe you need a little more balance in your life. And we often give way more than is sustainable long-term. But we do that and it becomes a pattern. And so it becomes really hard to stop that pattern. And has anyone actually ever had a boss who said, you know what, you've done great work this week. Why don't you go ahead and go home and catch some rest? No. And it's because the systems that we live and work in are capitalist and individualistic. It means everyone is trained to push and strive and constantly produce. When we start to get tired and burnt out or overwhelmed, then we're taught there's this magic solution to overworking, and it's called work-life balance. And let me tell you, friends, I have a very strong perspective on this. I believe that work-life balance, it's just a myth. Think about the things that we have to balance. You remember those old school like scales of justice, the the scales that you'd see on a lawyer's infographic, right? Where the weight has to be equally distributed on each side to strike balance. Or imagine someone on a unicycle. They're high in the air. There's one wheel under them. And in order to stay upright, they have to engage every single muscle in their abdomen and really focus because if they tip, a little bit one way or a little bit the other way, they're going to fall off and crash. I don't know about you, but perfect balance seems really hard. And honestly, 
I think it's an unrealistic expectation that everything has to be so-so to be able to pull it off. The biggest issue for me with work-life balance is it creates this imagery that there are two parts of our lives that are constantly at odds with each other. Think about that tension. Once you start working, maybe at age 18, you're going to have to focus on that tension or pay the price for the rest of your life. Oof, doesn't that sound miserable? And yet, we've all subscribed to it as if there's no other way. The other issue of separating ourselves into having these two different lives is it undermines our limitations as one human. If I have a whole life that's dedicated to work and I need to focus on you know, building social capital, meeting my deadlines, learning how to be a great leader, executing my goals efficiently, keeping my clients happy, meeting my company's KPIs, meeting my personal KPIs, and I need to be well-liked in the office, And then I go home and I have a whole second life. And now I start to fill that with a new set of expectations. I need to keep a perfectly clean and tidy house. Be mindful that I am only buying sustainable products, reduce the plastic in my home. I need to be a great partner. I need to be an attentive parent. Perhaps I need to be, you know, a great friend or a great daughter. I need to stay connected to my family, but I also need to work out and eat healthy and make sure I'm exercising the dogs every single day. And, and, and. Now, if we could simultaneously live two lives at a time and achieve all of these things in the two categories I just told you about, it would feel amazing. It would be awesome. And it's not realistic. But when we separate ourselves into two different people, two different sides of ourselves, two different lives, we're unrealistically setting an expectation that we are capable of doing everything I just mentioned at once, all at the same time. And then we beat ourselves up and we come down on ourselves. We try to figure out why we're dealing with burnout, why we're overwhelmed, why we're feeling tired from all of this, and we start to feel trapped. This is just what it is. This is what Nick is talking about in his letter. He didn't go into this amount of detail, But he's describing two desires. I've got one for a personal life where I can start to settle down. Maybe that means a partner or kids. And then I've got a desire for a successful career and a work life. And now they're at odds with each other because we have this concept of the binary. It's work or personal, this or that. And currently, Nick has evidence that his brain believes this is true because he has filled his work life so full He feels like he has to choose. Friends, there is a better way. We must stop separating ourselves into two people. This is the first piece of advice that I want to offer for Nick. And I know I say coaching isn't one size fits all, but this one, I'm going to say everyone here needs to be listening to this. We must start thinking about ourselves as one whole human everywhere we go. And just one person with one life we would then have to admit that we have limits to what we can take on. It's not exciting to say that, but it's real. Thinking in these terms is going to help us be more realistic about what we take on and the boundaries or the edits that are going to be required to achieve them. Now, this is not to say that you can't have an incredible personal life and an incredible work life. I actually believe both of these are quite feasible, but only when we embrace them as one whole self versus two parts of us that are competing. And this is why mindset is important. It's the language we use and how we frame a challenge that either creates openness to solve it or shuts us down in defeat. 
So we're going to stop compartmentalizing ourselves into two separate lives. And then next, we need to name our desires. I'm one whole human who wants to settle down and wants to have a great career. Now, our desires can be revisited and adjusted depending on your season of life. This is where I want you to be selfish because most of us really are primed to be thinking about work first. And this is where we need to make the shift. Your company is paying you for impact, for the trade of hours. It's not paying you to dedicate your every night, weekend, vacation time, and your entire life's energy to their cause. But because we're often primed with work first, I want you to start course correcting and name your personal desires. What is most meaningful to you at this stage of your life? For Nick, he mentioned wanting to settle down. So we understand at least one of his desires. And now we need to make a list of what it would take to create that goal. Now, Nick didn't disclose if he's already has a significant other who he wants to spend more time with, maybe get married and have kids, or if he needs to begin dating in the first place. So I'm going to guess that this goal of settling down, either way, it's going to require time. This means Nick needs to carve out personal time that is not dedicated to work and that he's not on his laptop all night long or not answering emails at a restaurant between courses. This goal will require that he's actually getting out of the house to meet people or to go on date nights. It sounds really simple, but so often we're using the time that we have left in our day after our work responsibilities. If there's anything left, that's what we would use to go after our goals. And that's what he's talking about on the weekends. He's so exhausted. He's given so much that even though there's a little time left, It's the leftovers. It's exactly that. It's not a priority. And he doesn't even have the energy for it. Does that sound familiar? And Nick's goal is, you know, time so he can invest in settling down. But goals can be any size. It could be really small. Like, I want to cook nutritious dinners at home every night. Or I want to make time to go to a workout class. I'd like to be reading more novels. If we wait for the time to magically appear, we're going to be waiting forever because there's always more work. Nick already shared his job is demanding, so there's just never going to be anything left. He's mentioned how exhausted he is on the weekends. He's not even socializing. Now we've got to get to work. Now that we know what it takes to create the desire, we need more time, we get to the hard part, setting boundaries. For Nick to settle down, he needs time. And likely not just for dating or planning a wedding, but I'm going to assume that he wants to spend time long-term investing in his relationship. In this current situation, his time is already full. And this is where we have to make the edits. Now, this is also where most of my clients want to check out because they have just decided it's not possible. They don't want to take a step back. They don't want to be perceived as a slacker. And they don't believe there's anyone else to help. So they've just determined it is what it is. This is dangerous thinking. When we've made the determination, it just is what it is, there's nothing I can do, then we close off our minds for any sort of problem solving. So yes, we're going to talk boundaries, but let's make it bite-sized. I do want Nick to continue to thrive at work. I want him to be successful and known for doing a great job. And it's probably not realistic for Nick to revamp his entire way of working overnight. So we need to make it approachable, bite-sized. 
For Nick to have time to settle down, I'm going to assume having his evenings work free would be step one to cultivating or creating a romantic relationship. Time to swipe on the apps, to go on dates, to invest in a partner. So Nick needs to free up his evenings. Now, a lot of folks will push back and say, they'll carve out their evenings once they have a partner. But right now, I don't actually mind working and I really don't actually have an option not to. This is backwards thinking. We have to make room for the goal before we can accomplish the goal. It's just that simple. This type of goal requires you to be proactive. No one is going to say, hey, Nick, remember you need to go home so you can swipe on the apps so you can go on dates and find the love of your life, right? It's going to be very tempting to keep answering work emails, to keep working on your to-do list. So the first boundary we set, it's with ourselves. In fact, most boundaries that we need to set are with ourselves. So put an alarm on your phone, block your calendar, and go home or log out at a predetermined time every night. Let's say five o'clock. Now, in order to do this, you may have to rearrange how you're doing other things in your day to make sure that this is possible. Perhaps you need to opt out of a couple internal meetings and make them an email or a Slack update instead. Perhaps you need to set dedicated focus time when you're doing your client outreach so you don't get distracted scrolling the news or social media. Perhaps you need to turn off your email while you're building your sales proposals to eliminate the distractions. Here's the thing most people aren't saying out loud. Unless you're a shift worker, most of our work could be done in less time. If we eliminated distractions, set focused work time for our most important task, and set daily goals. If Nick truly sets a boundary with himself to log out at 5 p.m., it's going to force him to get creative about how he can work more efficiently. It's also going to help him see what work is and is not a priority. Our to-don't list is actually far more important than our to-do list. And if Nick wants to keep enjoying his corporate success because he's in sales, he will likely need to focus on revenue-generating activities. We want to focus on what is the biggest impact we can make at work. And this means that busy work, smaller deals, or you know, email replies might get less attention, and that's okay. This will bring me to my next point and how we start to set those boundaries and create those edits. It's to know your goals. Now, my clients know that each day, they are to write down the three most important pieces of work they need to do to move their trajectory forward. When those things are done, they know they've been successful, whether it's noon or whether it's five o'clock. And this is important because the way we work now, we're never going to get to the bottom of the to-do list. As soon as we take off a couple items, two more are going to pop right back in. We'll never hit inbox zero. As soon as you reply to those four, you're going to have another heap after lunch. It's just not realistic. So defining success allows us to know when it's okay to walk away. Now, missing your goals for the day, it's not something to beat yourself up for, but it gives us information. So if I set three priorities and I didn't meet them, I want to get curious about why. Did I overschedule? Was the goal unrealistic? Did I get distracted by less important busy work? This is something that happens often when we're procrastinating the big juicy thing that we really should be working on. Um, but actually, look at all of these little tiny tasks that I can do and I can tick the box and it feels really good. I get that dopamine hit, but I've actually been avoiding the deeper work. 
So evaluate. If you're missing your three priorities each day, just get curious as to why. Use this as data and adjust it the next day. If you're chronically overworked and you have multiple goals, logging out at five o'clock, it's probably not the one and only fix. But this is an example of a bite-sized boundary. It's a starting point. And if it's not realistic to do it five days a week, then start with two and work your way up. Perhaps you accomplish that and then you will work on reclaiming your lunch hour. An actual hour off your screen, eating, feeding yourself, moving your body, hydrating. And then, you know, perhaps you work on not checking your email in the morning until you get to your desk. And I see all of you 6 a.m.ers laying in bed on your email. Cut that out. But one bite size at a time. So as a recap, in busting the myth of work-life balance, I want to encourage you to stop living two separate lives. Be realistic about your limits. Then you're going to name your desires, what's actually the most important thing. And then we're going to reverse engineer them through creating bite-sized boundaries. You can use three daily goals and a to-don't list as a tool to help you get there. Once you've made progress on your goal, rinse and repeat. Finally, I want to encourage you not to buy into this badge of busyness. It's not cute, it's not healthy, and it doesn't make you any more successful. Stop buying into this myth of the perfect balance that creates so much tension. But begin to take ownership of your days, one meeting, one task, one personal goal at a time. Now back to our letter writer, Nick. I have so much hope and belief in what you're going to create. So please be sure to write back in and let us know how it goes. Thanks everyone for being here. I'll see you next time. Thanks so much for being here, for tuning in, for leaving a review, for subscribing to the show. All of these actions help get the word out so more and more people can lead intentional and meaningful work lives. As a token of appreciation, I have a special gift for you. Head on over to theworklifecoachpodcast.com slash thank you, or simply click the link in the show notes for my library of free resources, worksheets, and exclusive content to help support you on your journey. Thank you for being a part of our community and I'll see you next time.